Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows that we do at the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you are not already, you can become a Major Spoilers member. All you have to do, you can do it right there on your phone. Point your your phone browser to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Phone browsers. That's a thing. Check it out. No, really, right now. Check it out. And then point it to patreon.com slash major spoilers and unlock a world of imagination and fun. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. Major Spoilers theme song! The Major Spoilers podcast is on the air. On, On the air. The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. On the air. Pod, pod, podcast. I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Stephen. I've been listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast. 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 The Major Spoilers Podcast is on the air. Hey, this week, we're not doing that, that regular show open. We're doing some other things this week. But first, uh, though, we'll get into some general uh, discussions here in just a little bit. But let us uh, look at a couple of news items. Uh, This week, the Star Wars hype is building. Rick and Morty Season 4 is getting a November 10th release date. And maybe the big news, the PS5 is officially announced. Rodrigo, how excited are you about PlayStation 5 launching the holiday season of 2020? So we've got, what, 17 months or 14 months before this thing launches. Uh, well, I, I will tell you how excited I am once they start talking software. As far as what? As far as backwards compatibility? I, I, it would no, be great if we could just pop our PS4 and PS3 discs in and be able to play anything. I mean, it's not just that. Backwards compatibility is something that I would look for since I have a PS4. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's, it's kind of a truism that uh, what sells consoles is content oh yeah yeah the uh, the killer app yeah the killer app so so um you know the a big part why everybody looks back at the wii u and think it's garbage is because two good games ever came out for it right even Mm -hmm. though 
potentially the hardware and software uh, you know within the machine were just fine um so we'll see what comes out for playstation i i, I used to have a like this like anxiety especially when i got into overwatch i'm like what if they announce that uh the playstation 5 like right away and then all of this time that i've spent on overwatch will just be wasted and like extra money because i did buy some like loot boxes and stuff and now that i kind of don't play overwatch anymore i'm like yeah okay we could we can have a ps5 when it comes out it's, it's fine yeah uh, two innovations that they've talked about so far have to do with the controller, for new controllers for the PlayStation 5. First one is haptic feedback with a range of feedback so that crashing into a wall in a race car feels, quote, much different than making a tackle on a football field. You can even get a sense of a variety of textures when running through fields of grass or plodding through mud, unquote. So that's the first thing. That sounds kind of interesting. They're getting away with the uh, now, what, 30-year-old, almost, well, 20-year-old uh, rumble technology. That uh, appeared uh, in yeah. with the first Xbox. I mean the the um, actually I'm pretty sure it was uh, the Rumble Pack in the N64. Oh, in 64. I, might, okay. I might be I might be wrong about that. Um, but PlayStation controllers are basically un, have are unchanged, like for the past like two or three generations. They are essentially the same with some like minor additions and functionality. So That's it'll be good, interesting to see. Because then idiots like me don't have to try to relearn the yes, uh, exactly. GameCube. Exactly. I mean, if it if it works, it works. You know. Yeah. No. If this if they change the design, it's going to be murder for me. Uh, the second innovation. This sounds kind of cool. An adaptive trigger, which uh, are your L two and R two buttons. You can program, developers can program, quote, resistance of the triggers so that you feel the tactile sensation of drawing a bow and arrow or accelerating an off-road vehicle through your rock, <laughs> rocky uh, terrain. Yeah, it, well, well, your it, thumb or your fingers, trigger fingers your trigger your, fingers. Uh, oh, sure, sure, sure. So, right. like, it feels like, you know, if you're, I, I would imagine if you're playing something like Red Dead Redemption 3, mm-hmm. that if your gun is getting rusty and not working, that the trigger is a little harder to pull. That would be really interesting, like there's rust or something being built up on that. I would think that that would be really, really cool to have in there. Uh, I don't really play a lot of bow and arrow type games like, uh, you know, uh, I don't even know a bow and arrow type game. Probably The Last of Us, right, is a bow and arrow game. I think there's some bows and arrows. Uh, The last bow and arrow game that I played on the PlayStation was uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm, Okay. So there's there's that, if they're going to make a sequel to that or a port. Um, what I want out of the PlayStation triggers uh, in the next generation is for them to not be so sensitive that a like a cat breathing <laughs> on the opposite end of the fact, room causes, fact. causes everything to rewind. It's like we'll be watching fact. Netflix and it'll be like starts rewinding and we're like, where is it? Where's the controller? And it's literally just sitting there. And mm-hmm. it's just like somebody like shifted their weight a little bit and caused the, the trigger to the like be pushed pulse ever just so slightly. slightly. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like if you're, if you're, if you just have like the slightest protonic charge, it just like <laughs> changes you to something else. I wonder if this was a good time. I mean, this appeared what in Wired, I think, uh, uh, officially or, you know, first appeared in Wired magazine. And then Sony went and updated their website to kind of fill people in on stuff. Mm-hmm. I wonder if now is the best time to be announcing a PlayStation 5. I mean, everyone kind of knew it was coming. We're just waiting for the announcement. My concern is that might destroy any sales Sony had coming up this holiday season because no one's going to buy a PlayStation 4 this year because they know See, next year is going to be the PlayStation 5. 
I I disagree. I think from that same standpoint, it's genius because this is the way that they'll get rid of those old stocks. Ah, because okay, lower the price. Are, and, there yeah. are consumer types of consumers, uh, including one on this podcast, who uh, will wait. And I think that the Black Friday price drop might be significant enough that people who have waited for whatever reason will finally come out of the woodwork, woodwork, snatch up that stock, and then next Black Friday they can push the new... I mean, will it be released in time? Or next holiday oh, season? No, it's next Halloween yeah. season, so you know it's going to be yeah. Black Friday next year. I think it's a year. double win for them, honestly. Okay, I can see I yeah. can see where you're coming from on that. Matthew, uh, uh, you're one of these people. You've, uh, you've already got the PlayStation 4. I do. I have the PlayStation but, 3, too. But are, do you think that you will uh, go out on uh, Black Friday and, and deal with the headaches of the peoples to grab yourself First, a PlayStation 5? Regardless of the status of a PlayStation 5, I will not be going out on Black Friday. But here's the thing. Uh, Ashley brings up a valid point in that, yeah, people are going to be going for your PlayStation 4 this year for two reasons. One, even if the PlayStation 5 comes out in the holiday season of 2020, the best games won't be around for a year or two. Mm-hmm. You'll have those release games where it's like, here's a bunch of crap. I'm, I'm wondering you if... You don't want to buy these systems. This is going to be, what, ninth gen now? No, fifth generation. Of, that's why it's called PlayStation 5. PlayStation 4 is an eighth <laughs> generation console, Stephen. <laughs> I will slap the taste out of your No, mouth. I I honestly I honestly think, you know, we're it's we don't do we have an official release date of uh, Cyberpunk 2077? Uh yeah, it's coming out next year. Yeah, so guess what is going to come out mm-hmm. with the PlayStation 5? Everybody's talking about it. it. They I mean, I realize that this is coming out on I think it's is it also coming out on Steam? I know it's coming out on Xbox. But you launch 2077 with the new graphics and all the new high-end stuff that the PlayStation 5 will have. Yeah, and you say that it has, like, five more, like, downloadable things that no uh-huh. one else has. Yep, and that might be the that might be that killer app, Rodrigo, that people are going to jump all that's over. That's what you do. You know, it's like uh, the PlayStation, quote-unquote, won this round of the console wars because they try mm-hmm. not to count Nintendo, even though Nintendo, like, came in late. And like just stole the market with the Switch. Oh yeah, with the Switch, yeah. Um, but you know, it's like again, nobody can tell what Nintendo's gonna do, so they try not to think about it. <laughs> but uh, PlayStation outsold the Xbox One, and it's all because of software. It's because of that Spider-Man mm-hmm. game. Yeah. It's um, Red Dead. Yeah, it's because of Red Dead Redemption. Basically, all of these games, and you know, they kind of go back to Microsoft, and it's like, what do they have? You know, Halo, like more Halo stuff. Uh, I think Gears of War uh, might be an Xbox exclusive. Um, and, and so, and you know, I'm not bashing the Xbox. Like, you know, oh, no, I, I, used, uh, to, I used to have fun. an Xbox as well. I just didn't get one in this generation. But that's that's what happened. Is both of the hardcore guys and the disgusting, filthy casuals like me just <laughs> saw something better in the PlayStation, and that's quite, kind of what took over. And I think this time around, Sony's just trying to get a, a leg up on the next mm-hmm. uh, on the next generation. We ended up with the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four in the in the same holiday because I remember uh, I remember when that happened. Yeah, because my oldest <laughs> was really wanting games, and I was like, "Well, these are coming in at a great price." Might as well get them both now and have them for a couple of years. And what's ended up happening is the PlayStation has migrated to my office for the Twitch streams, and the Xbox has migrated to his bedroom for his own fun and frivolity. 
Uh, so yeah, whatever kids do on on these things, you know, I don't know. Um, it's uh, I, I think world, we're, we're up to fun and frivolity too. Uh, vanity right. and chicanery. I think. Yes, the, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, chicanery and shenanigans going on yeah. there. But <laughs> be a you know, third generation I, take on it with the PS4, though. So I like what you said. I'm now. I've had some issue. Now, this was a. I think a first generation PlayStation 4. Um, you know, when it when yeah. it first came out, I you know we snagged it on that same weekend or tried to. Um, and I've had some issues occasionally with some things not working correctly. Now I may have resolved oh, yes. it down to also, an HDMI. An HDMI cable issue, uh, which I got a review on an HDMI cable coming up. Um, but um, I've been really considering up until today when this PlayStation 5 announcement came out, I've been really considering buying pro. A, a new pro. Yeah. And, and I was just like, oh, OK, uh, maybe I should get the pro for this stuff. And because we never know when the next PlayStation's coming out, might as well get the pro. And if it comes out, as you said, Ashley, at the holiday mm-hmm. season with a deep discount, it might be worth picking up. But now that the PlayStation 5 is coming out, I'm definitely someone who I'm going to hold out and wait until next year. And here's the reason why I'm going to hold out, because I have a feeling this thing is going to be expensive. I think it's going to be so loaded down with graphics and processors and all of that stuff that we're probably going to be looking at a $1,200 to $1,700 system. Really? I have nothing nothing to base that on except that what the current prices are, what what we're seeing starting to get packed into things like iPhones and and other things. I just have a feeling that, and and my hope is that they incorporate more of the VR stuff, like packaged with uh, kind of stuff instead of uh, separate, separate purchases. But I really think that this is going to be like, gaming computer so, type pricing i mean the the playstation 4 pro is like 700 is 600 no 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 no. it's like 400 bucks yeah no i think i think this is going to be you like think this is going to make it all the way jump to 1k i think this is going to be at least 1k at the at the I mean, very maybe. at the very at the at the low and i could be wrong i hope that i'm wrong but i really think that they're going to package this as a killer replacement for for gaming for desktop gaming which i know is not going to happen but i i just i think it's going to be way overpriced i don't think this is going to come in at 299 if it came out at 299 i'd be dancing for joy but i just think that if you're going to get one of these things you better start saving now ashley you have playstations in your in your house is that what you guys have yes because i know I jason likes playing <laughs> i know jason likes playing the uh the justice league um what the heck is that game that he's always Injustice? talking about? Injustice, Justice yeah, yeah, yeah. Murder, death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He enjoys playing I that. I stand so. by it. That those comics are good. The yeah. game is good. It should be bad, but it's so good. Did you get the and, Did uh, you get the uh, Terminator pack and the uh, Spawn pack and stuff? I don't know what that means. Oh, okay. No, that those are for Mortal Kombat. Oh, Mortal Kombat. I forgot that and, there was Justice, a Mortal Kombat Justice, Justice League like, game too. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's they're both by NetherRealm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So well, uh, maybe we did. I don't know. <laughs> you gotta start saving up that money now, Ashley. Start making some more appearances on Finally Friday so that we can uh, yeah. get that Christmas Christmas money for next year uh, saved up. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, no matter who you Reason are and how much season, I love you, you I'm never spending a thousand dollars on something for you for Christmas. I'm gonna tell I mean, you that right now. I'm, I'm not saying that that is not. what. I, honestly, I'm not <laughs> saying that that's what the price is going to be. But I have a feeling it's going to be up in yeah, that range yeah, to yeah, the yeah. point where people are going to be like, "What are you serious? Okay, well, give me one." 
Well, that's and, the thing. If people even, buy it anyway, then it doesn't matter. Then they, you know, then capitalism wins, baby. Well, and even if even if that isn't the price for the console and one controller, you throw in a game, uh-huh. you throw in probably VR functionality because probably already the yeah another controller because most yeah. of us are getting two. Yeah, right. so yeah. it you know you probably end up spending a one k in the end. I would yeah. be surprised at a seven ninety nine starting price point. Yeah. Yeah, I think the PS4 that we bought was five ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, I think it was four ninety nine or something when we bought it. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah. It was so long ago, and I so I rarely know. get to play it. But now that we've been doing the Twitch stream on Saturdays when I'm not out of town, <laughs> yeah, Twitch.tv slash Major Spoilers. Hey, look, they opened up a new kind of affiliate, or some kind of new <gasps> affiliate thing where even at my level, where I'm not part, you know, I'm not a partner status. Major Spoilers is not a partner status. We're still mm-hmm. able to make some money off the ad. So here's what needs to happen. You, the listener, right now, head over to twitch.tv slash major spoilers and subscribe to the channel. Sign up to the channel so that you know when we're doing our shows. We do Finally Friday on Fridays at 4 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Ashley shows up and we have a lot of fun. Last week we were talking about uh, why you are doing Comic-Con wrong. Mm-hmm. That was a really good discussion. I enjoyed that. Uh, and then on Saturdays I will do a game stream. Um, and sometimes Matthew and uh, Brian and uh, um, Brad Will will pop in and we'll all play a game of you don't know jack with you the listener so you want to jump over there and subscribe to that because now the more people that watch the more money we will be making from uh from some of those affiliate ad links so that will be a good thing okay. also don't forget we have that patreon over at patreon.com slash major spoilers and one of our goals is to take this show live every week to where you get a streaming show live, switched high, you know, high quality graphics, dropping some things in. If you are a Patreon, uh, if you are a Patreon member at the ten dollar level, what was it? A couple of months ago, Matthew, where I showed the demo of what a segment might look like. Mm-hmm. I think Do you so. remember that? Yeah, it looked. I thought it looked pretty good. I think that's. I think that's something that would keep uh, people's interest and engagement. So. Two things you could do. Head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. Head over to twitch.tv slash major spoilers and, uh, you know, help us out. We want to c- continue to create more content for you now into the future as all this crazy stuff changes. Oh, speaking of crazy things changes right now over at the Patreon page. If you are a $5 member and higher, you get to hear Rodrigo totally rip apart Wendy's RPG game. <laughs> I mean, you get to hear Matthew talk about Batwoman. Yeah. You, get to hear, you get to hear us uh, speculate on that whole Liefeld and Marvel thing that's going on. Exclusive content that you can only get when you become a patron. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now, Rodrigo, I've teased the heck out of this. Uh-huh. You, uh, you make this claim that adult cartoons are ugly. Now, what do you mean by uh, adult yes. cartoons, first of all? So, I mean, uh, sort of like sitcom-based type uh, animation. So, you know, Family uh, guys. Not, not to claim that these specifically are ugly, but your Bob's Burgers, Family Guy, The Simpsons, Big Mouth, uh, BoJack Horseman, um, mm-hmm. you know, your ugly like, Americans. Yeah. Funny. Ha ha. You know that uh, like I feel like David Spade had one and that one was hideous. <laughs> um, and what do you mean by ugly? I I mean that they are ugly and just kind of it's like it tends to have characters uh, or or the character design in general tends to be like big weird mouths buggy eyes mm-hmm. uh weird mm-hmm. proportions i'll lay that right at the feet of family guy i i think i i don't know 
where originally it comes from, but I, I, I made this joke on Twitter that it's because um, the studios are like, you know, visually appealing cartoons are for kids. Like mm-hmm. if you, if your cartoon is ugly, you're communicating that this is for adults. Right. If Rick and Morty definitely fits that as well. Yeah. If it's if it's pretty, if it looks good, then like people will be like, oh, this looks too kiddie because like the right. characters are actually symmetrically appealing. Yeah. 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 Well, but you know, like Ed, Ed and Eddie, uh, Matthew's favorite to animation style, the classy classy Chupsko, is definitely yeah. not you know yeah. kiddie cartoon. Well, but that's 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 kind of what I'm what what the what the direction is like the the exclusive inclusive argument right it's like mm-hmm. you can still have kids cartoons that are hideous uh see Ren and Stimpy SpongeBob SquarePants yep um Ed Ed and Eddie yeah you can make a a, a what was that your like Rugrats Flapjack yeah oh, I definitely love Rugrats. definitely your Nicktoons era stuff mm-hmm. yeah because and the thing is. That stuff was really experimental. Somebody also on Twitter, when I posted that, uh, had like made this point that uh, modern animation drew the wrong lessons from that experimental era, and one of them is is like ugly cartoons, like yeah. call attention to themselves, and that's yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. But it's more about the experimentation than it is about that aesthetic of like this looks bad and weird yeah no i yeah. i mean i can get behind where you're coming from with the stuff looks ugly and to me you, you know a lot of the shows that we have mentioned to me are unappealing that i don't find i don't i don't like looking at it and it's not and again i don't want people to think that uh what's that school of uh the steven oh, universe talk uh, about the cal arts yeah the cal arts style i'm not That's i'm nonsense. no i'm not i'm not uh no, I'm not trying to say that a certain style is inherently bad, but there are cartoons that I will look at that I'm just like, I just don't, uh, this doesn't appeal to me personally. Uh, some people it might. Uh, you know, I've talked before about how when The Amazing World of Gumball was on, how I couldn't stand it because I just thought it was stupid and I didn't like the art style and I thought the storylines were stupid until I actually sat down and watched some with my kids because they were all over it. And then I was like, oh, no, this is actually brilliant. And this art style is actually very experimental. And they're actually doing some different things on a kid's show, you know, not, you know, uh, adult cartoons aside. This is something on a kid's show. And so I've really grown to appreciate uh, the. Uh, the amazing world of gumball. Same way with Rick and Morty. When that first came out, I was like, oh, this looks like a piece of poo. Uh, but I've come to appreciate what they're doing, even yeah, though I can't I think, believe it takes them a year to do five episodes. I think uh, I think if you look at the animation style of Rick and Morty, it's like mm-hmm. it's very clear that there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. So it's like those are those are ugly, but they're doing something with it. Um, right. You know, if you look at something like Aeon Flux, you know, back in yes. the day, it's like mm-hmm. very experimental show. Hideous. I hated it. I hated the way that the characters looked. But if you sit down to watch Aeon Flux, it's very hard to pull yourself away from it, right? It's right, like, right. Just like this constant motion and like it's it's put together consciously, I, I feel, as opposed to like a lot of stuff that's coming out where it's just like, here's some hideous animals. Yeah. Right? No, I, yeah. So I, I guess together. I can understand someone wanting to just do a style. And so that's kind of where I guess I've really never thought of it as a 
uh, group ugly, you know, like uh, the public consciousness all looks at this and says, oh, it's ugly. So it must be for adults. I guess I've never really thought of that, but I, I can see where you're coming from. But I just take it as this is this group's artistic it's, style. I feel like it's an extension of the uh, reality is brown argument where in order to show us something that is supposed to feel grounded, uh, you, you know, you you get into that weird uncanny valley thing if you try and make things too realistic. But take Bob's Burgers, for example. Bob's Burgers has very ugly characters mm. in an attempt to show us these are just regular folks. They're creepy, goofy-looking folks, and they're struggling for money, and they can't do anything. And this is this is a way of kind of conveying to us that the Belcher family are freaky weirdos. And I get that, but I do also think that Rodrigo's theory has a side that fascinates me because when i think about the really beautiful shows modern adult cartoons that were pretty and symmetrical and well designed they've all been canceled your yeah. futurama has been canceled you know and well i guess archer is still around i do love archer yeah got so I, much better i did it wow that's that's skip impressive. right, skip right to the finale, and then just watch forward. Season two is truly magical and delightful. <laughs> well, it's so good. Yeah. All right, you know the know. the the Boondocks was gorgeous. Yes, it's right. coming back. Yeah. Canceled. Oh, it's coming Mission back. Hill yeah. was hideous and got canceled. Yeah. So the oblongs hideous. The oblongs, hideous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we missed the UPN, is what Rodrigo and I are saying. Yeah, I guess so. That's that's kind of it. But, you know, if you look at like Archer, even with that incredibly slick, beautiful magazine style animation, they have some really ugly stuff going on. And I think it's that same theory. It's that uh, theory of, you know, even though we're trying to hypersexualize some of these characters in ways that are creepy, it's also a little gross when, you know, Pam takes off her top. It's all so far beyond what you you feel might be aesthetically attractive that you kind of get into that same thing where it still feels kind of ugly yeah. so and rodrigo are you looking at um ugly uh, adult cartoons are ugly because they are subverting your idea of what animation is so you're focusing less on the pretty pictures and more on the content no i think that okay. maybe used to be the case i think yeah. now it's a follow the leader type situation yeah like which is family family right? guys ugly you know big mouth is ugly um, that, you know, that, that kind of look is not a conscious decision anymore. It's like, if you have a cartoon about like a family, they have to be ugly. I think, you know, Bob's Burgers is a great example because, you know, I find them kind of cute, but it's like, yeah, nobody in that show has a chin. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of deliberately kind of not great looking like on purpose. Right. Yeah. 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 And you can have something where, like, um, I, I think Archer is actually a great example because Archer, they were going for something. They were going for a particular look, and that's why Archer looks the way it looks. And Archer has a lot of, like, these little idiosyncrasies mm -hmm. because they are trying to kind of, you know, it's the it's the frisky dingo guys, which is, yep. I, I believe, also the C-Lab guys. Yes, um, Adam Reed. And, yeah, and it just like it it comes from that tradition that started out with like let's take Hanna like let's let's do the Hanna Barbera thing where you have these like always yeah, on they're model trying to be because ironic. they're always the same model characters yeah. moving their mouths and Archer has kind of moved past that but not too far they're still keeping that so that 
that harkens to something that recalls to something specific that they're going for. I don't know, eight seasons in or wherever uh, Archer is now, because I, I haven't been watching it. Um, I don't know if that those themes are still extant within the show, but surely they've morphed into something that's still kind of relevant to the show. I mean, I can see where you're coming from. I mean, relating it back to comic books. I mean, there are a lot of times where I will avoid titles oh, yes. simply oh, yes. because it's like, this art is ugly. It does not appeal to me. I'm not going to read this. And I think that, and again, it doesn't mean that the person is incapable of art. Uh, when I say that something is uh, uh, unappealing to me, it just means it's not the stuff that I like. Right. Um, right. And I th- and I, and so I don't want to th- have everybody just go all up in arms saying, oh, well, you think that this is this is horrible stuff. No, me personally well, doesn't like it. It's tough to talk about art because art is subjective. Yeah, it's a, it's yes. all right. valuable, but we all have a point of view. Right. And I and right. I think that art should be somewhat decisive uh, at times and, and something that who's the Batman artist that I hate, Matthew, is it? Uh, Kelly Jones. Kelly Jones. Yeah, yeah Kelly Jones. Well, we I just, talked about him last week. <laughs> yeah, I just can't stand his art. I just, I never have been able to stand it. I just can't. And I know some people are just like, no, this is really good. You're crazy if you don't like his art. And I'm I not saying that, that he's way about not. An artist who is considered in comics to be one of the greatest comic book artists of all time. And I will never say it because people will. Don't you me. talk about Fletcher Hanks like that. Nice. Don't talk. Don't. Come on. We were just, you know, we were just uh, Rob Liefeld. Sorry. No. Um, but no, I, but see, that's just, that's the thing, right? I mean, I think there are some merit to having a discussion like cartoons are ugly, uh, mm-hmm. or the art style in a comic book is ugly because it can bring about debate and discussion on, you know, is this aesthetically pleasing? It, you know, and it's not saying that the person can't draw because I can't right. draw. And if I tried to do a comic book, it would be the worst. It would be bad art. It would legitimately be bad. Um, but at the same time, I can look at other people's stuff and say, yes, you understand composition, you understand framing, you understand uh, mm-hmm. color and light and shading and all those things. And you understand uh, what proportions mean. It just mean, but your proportions are just all wonky. You think that arms should be longer than they are. That's your style. That's fine if that's the way you want it. But it's not something that I, that I find appealing. And I think that's the same way with cartoons is there are a lot of cartoons that I don't find appealing from the art side. But maybe right. I should be paying attention to those maybe a little bit more because maybe there's a bigger message thing underneath. But according to Rodrigo, no, everybody's just trying to be ugly I, just because I it's mean, ugly. Not everybody. You know, it's like I haven't seen it's like uh Tuka and Birdie just got canceled, right? Oh yeah. right, yeah. And it's I've like, never seen I haven't seen I haven't seen any of that show. And yeah. part of the reason why I haven't seen any of that show is because the art style's unappealing. Right. But I'm willing I, I would be willing to hear the argument that there is a, a conscious decision behind Tuka and Birdie's art style because Isn't it does look same? different than a lot of other stuff. Isn't that the same as BoJack Horseman? Isn't that the same group or it's not? A, I think it's some of the same uh, creators, but it's a oh, different okay. animation yeah. house. But I mean, okay. you can actually lay some of this at the feet of The Simpsons too because a lot of the stylization that you see in their reality, you know, how we can go and go to The Simpsons generator and create a Simpsons version or a South Park version of an existing character, they have a specific language, for lack of a better word, that visually defines their world. And I feel like people have kind of distilled that down and stylized it to the point where, okay, it's funny looking. Our characters also have to be funny looking in a unique way. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Family Guy, as much as I enjoy some of Family Guy and as much as I enjoy Seth as a creator, Family Guy is not consistent about it. So you'll have characters 
from different eras of the show coexisting who are from different stylistic eras who don't look like the same manner of creature. It's like a Star Wars moment in the cantina when you see, say, for instance, Quagmire with anyone who has even slightly realistic human proportions. Yeah. Because that man is not legally humanly possible. He, his neck would snap under right, right, his right. own yeah, chin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. They were stylizing something because, as Rodrigo points out, that language is, well, we have this, and this is how you make this palatable. This is how you make this clearly not a kiddie show. It's not, you know, a pretty show like, say, a, a Peanuts cartoon or something from the Tom and oh, Jerry Oh, yeah, that era. one kid that has the, that's got the bashed-in skull, and he's all lumpy-headed. Or right. the poor bald you're, kid. You're, you're getting away from that Bigfoot cartooning. You're getting away from the cutesy style. You know, sometimes people refer to like chibi style Japanese yeah, yeah. animation where everything has to be cute and appealing and super, super hooray. And you're getting away from that intentionally. And I think that the intent is to say, well, this is not cute and attractive and shiny to small faces. And so you have to be. A cons- you know, a a very strong adult mind to get past that that patina, for lack of a better word, and really then you can see the issues being played out, deep social meaning back and forth in our cartoon. Ashley, is there and a cartoon also, style that you find kind of ugly and unappealing? Did you like Moonbeam City? I love Moonbeam City. I don't I don't know what that means. <laughs> is there is there? Um, I mean, do you look at something like uh, Teen Titans Go and go, oh, that's unappealing art? Um, or... I don't think Teen Titans Go is unappealing. I don't think it's as nice as the OG Teen Titans art. Yeah. Um, I guess I would say that I think the DC um, Originals art, since they got their house style post-war, is mm-hmm. pretty unappealing. Um, I think everything that Rodrigo named is is vastly unappealing. Um. And I do think that children's cartoons went through a similar thing in a post adventure time post um, Gravity Falls era. Mm, yeah, where, yeah. Um, and when you do a cheaper version of those, I don't think they look as nice because those two styles were so distinct. Yeah. Um, you know, it was like in the 90s or the early aughts when everything was ripping off Nickelodeon. You're like, well, it looks like the thing I like, but it looks like not as good. I do. Um, <laughs> I don't the watch a lot knockoff. of kind of. Yeah. You know, or the eBay knockoff. Like, I don't uh-huh. watch a lot of adult cartoons because I think they are hideous. It takes yeah. a lot for me. Like, I love BoJack Horseman. Um, and I actually don't think I think it looks cheap. But I don't think it's as ugly as some other things. Like I think Big Mouth is like just honestly just bad. It lo- uh, I think it looks awful. People keep um, telling me that it's really and good and I need to watch it, but I can't. You're never gonna com- you're never in a million years gonna convince me to watch it just because every time the little preview starts to play, I'm like, I hate this. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I hate everything about it. And then you tell me that there's hormone monsters, hard pass. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't even doesn't even always bother me such cheap because I watch a ton of anime and you can sometimes you can really see mm-hmm. how cheap that is, too. Oh, yeah. No, no. Um, same same way. Yeah. No, I know? totally agree with you. Yeah. No, totally agree with you. No, I was thinking I I miss Gravity Falls. Is there a, is there a show on television that is the replacement for Gravity Falls? And this and it's not just based on what you just said. Matthew, I was in a bookstore this uh, weekend, a mall bookstore this weekend. And we were back in the kids section, and they and they had the Gravity Falls uh, Diary three. I don't know. I think the Great NATO 
has both one and two. I was hoping they had all three volumes. I would have gotten them. Um, but I just miss Gravity Falls a lot. And I, and I, I know it had to end, but I wish, wish Alex Hirsch would hurry up with his next big project. I think Steven Universe is probably the first thing that pops to mind when someone says a new Gravity Falls, but Steven Universe may be on its downward curve too now. Do you yeah, think the... Steven Universe is, they're doing one more season yeah. of kind of a, a sequel season that is like Steven Universe as a thing is over. They're doing, they're doing a, a season of Steven Universe future and then presumably that's it unless that becomes very successful. So is the new season then based off the movie? Yeah, because so the, the movie, movie was set in the yeah, future. Yeah, the movie does a time skip, and then like the show. Yeah, the show comes in after the movie. Yeah. Mm. So you guys, uh, wa- I mean, um, I don't know if you watch Steven Universe actually, but I know Matthew and Rodrigo do. Was that really a good movie? Was it? Was it everything you hoped it would be? It was. Uh, it was all right. I didn't. I didn't know what I hoped it would be. I mean, the end of Steven Universe season five was so strange in that it literally wrapped up nearly yeah. every major conflict of the entire show. And it did mm. it in a way that was perfectly in keeping with the style and themes of what we'd seen. And so it felt like you couldn't just pick up. You had to do a time skip. And as such, the time skip is kind of a whole new deal. But it did pick up on the major, the primary theme of Steven Universe, which is your mom sucks. Mm. And it did that very well. And in so doing, it really underlined how, you know, Steven is not his mom and how he is learning from his mom's mistakes and how he's helping his friends and in many cases, his enemies to be better people because that's exactly the opposite of what mom did. But I don't know. I feel like it it really does feel like almost a separate entity and i love that i really enjoyed the movie i felt like there were a lot of parts of it that were just brilliant um the villain is actually a character who visually feels like a 30s cartoon character Mm -hmm. like mickey mouse to the point where uh and you know how Mickey, no matter where you turn his head, you see two circular ears? Yeah, the Phineas mm-hmm. and Ferb effect, char- yes. Yeah, the character has uh, heart-shaped pigtails, and no matter how she turns her head, they're always heart-shaped and point towards you. And she bounces up and down like a 30s cartoon character to show all of the, the movement. It feels very calculated and very specifically done for important reasons. But yeah, it does feel like something different. And mm-hmm. I... I feel like I want to see season six, but I also feel like season six is not the same thing. It's like it, now you're in college. It's like Cousin Oliver shows up on the Brady Bunch kind of stuff? or No, it, it feels like four years of high school, you go away to another school. It's the same idiots. You're not that much older. Really, the only thing that's different is kind of the setting and the expectations around you. But college is a completely different ball game than high school, and I feel like yeah. this is Steven Universe College. It's it's hard to it's hard to say this is like something else because almost no show that does that is successful. Is like yep. Saved by the Bell, the college years, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saved by the Bell, the new class, also no. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's it's hard to to look at. You know, I, I because there have been like successful spinoffs, but this isn't really a spinoff because it's all the same characters. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were just giving Peridot her own show, then you oh, could so be like, like, well, uh, maybe this is like a Joni loves Chachi kind of situation. Yeah, yeah, or a happily Brady after. 
Was yeah. that the name of that show, Matthew? Happily Brady after? Uh, the Brady Brides, and then yeah, 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 yeah. the Bradys. Yeah, yeah, or yeah. Or is that Brady like Brides. Brady something? Yeah, man. Uh, uh, Ashley, uh, you know, this is a comic book show, so yes. we probably ought to talk a little bit about comic books. Oh, if I we was must. I was so busy with soccer this weekend, by the way, the boys' team won uh, against a Woo. freshman, what, what we assume is a freshman high school team because the... There were so few teams participating that they lumped everyone into a group called middle school and that the group of kids that were in middle school were, were like five o'clock shadow at five o'clock when it was time to play Six the game. Six foot five and there was a teen wolf yeah, out no, there. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure that they were freshmen. So, you know, a bunch of seventh graders beat a freshman team. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I had no idea what was going on at the New York Comic Con because I just didn't have time to pay attention to social media. So did anything come out of New York Comic Con? I mean, we've got stuff up on the website of announcements and stuff. But yeah, that's a really interesting question, right? Because uh, a San Diego comic con this year was criticized for kind of Jack, nothing happening and New York on its 50th anniversary too. Yeah. New York comic con is kind of going, coming under the same criticism. And, you know, I followed some of the news and I'm really excited that lost in space is coming back at Christmas time. And yeah, it really seems to me that the biggest news that's come out of both of these conventions are the, are the dueling Picard trailers that were dropped. And, And while I'm happy for star Trek and I think that that's wonderful, that's not usually the time. Like we've had Aquaman news breaking at, New York Comic Con. We've seen um, Daredevil, episodes of Daredevil at New York Comic Con. Now, Runaways Season 3, I believe, had their premiere there as well, but um, as much as I love Runaways... Hi, Ryan! Hi, Ryan. Um, You know, Daredevil, I think, commanded more mm-hmm. than uh, than Runaways does, and that's not a shot. I just mean that as an observation. Um, so it feels like there were things that were announced. Obviously, we covered it um, on this site, but it was all... I felt like it was all pretty minimal and it's really interesting because we are obviously we're seeing this big transitional moment for the DC mm-hmm. movies. Uh, we're seeing Marvel movies going through a big transition where, you know, we're arrow is coming to an end and Batwoman is beginning. A lot of Marvel shows are getting scrapped and moved over to a new streaming service. And then of course there's no star Wars news because it's all being wrapped up for, uh, and that's pretty much bogarted by D23. So I just yeah. think it's really interesting that amidst one of the biggest gatherings of, of not only like forget the fans, but just of so many creators and so many publicists and so many marketing people in charge of these properties that we didn't get any major announcements with the exception of the DC timeline, which doesn't feel like a major announcement because Bleeding Cool and everyone with eyes was able to figure it out beforehand because they didn't blur their picture enough. Right, right. I think if you were to sit down with the comic organizers, uh, the mm-hmm. comic convention organizers, they might both say, well, this was a rebuilding year for our show. I, right. That's a cute PR word, like edgy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I am curious because as things evolve there are certain things that come up to the top that become more important and then things go away. You know, you go back to the early days of the convention and it was all about, here's a place where we can trade uh, old comic books with one another. And, Oh, maybe there will be some artists or some special guests specifically devoted to the comic book world. And then, Oh, Hey, we've got this uh, television personality that's going to be here this time. And so we start to see the rise of other non comic book stuff rise to the surface. But as we look at, um, genre theory and we look at how a genre changes 
we see that at a time the genre needs to reinvent itself. And so we've seen the comic conventions do that uh, since the 1970s, try to constantly reinvent themselves. And I think they run into I they think they've run into a, a point where they were so dependent on media mm-hmm. that the you comic about books 2006. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You go back, you know, 10 years, really where they became so dependent on media as the prime focus of drawing people into these conventions um, that they forgot about everything else. So that when, and we see this happening with the streaming media, when these media empires, Disney realizes, Hey, we can do our own convention and we can control everything about that convention. We're not going to go to these other conventions because that costs us even more money. And we can't control every little aspect of somebody's day. Um, we're starting to see companies pulling out of conventions, media companies pulling out of conventions, and that leaves that leaves nothing at the convention who's been relying on on media this entire time. It's kind of like when when television came along, radio was like, ah, it's television. No one's going to care about that. And then suddenly television took all their all their audience away. Uh, I, I guess I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I guess that these conventions kind of got caught unawares as to how the um not zeitgeist but how everything has shifted yeah yeah i i don't i don't necessarily think it's a bad thing either i just think it's we just came out of new york comic-con um Mm -hmm. so obviously it's very topical but i just think it's really strange that this that's what this year sort of from a macrocosmic look at the convention scene looks like And, and it makes sense when you sort of look at the industry at a whole like i i mentioned you know, the MCU and the DCEU are at turning points. Mm-hmm. But we also know that like Star Wars is wrapping up and that they're mm-hmm. dialing back. So, you know, we had this big explosion, you know, and it kind of feels like we're in the middle of the hourglass where we're going to get real lean again before everything explodes. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, and, that's what I think fact, is happening. The fact that it's reverberated all the way down to the convention scene, I think, is interesting. Yeah, Things no, I totally agree with you on that. And I mean, you you cannot have eternal unrestrained growth and i feel what? like with well with the fragmentation <laughs> of the the scene there are now what seven ten well, so that's that's what i was good major yearly conventions. oh no there's yeah. there are conventions too going on girl, there many. are conventions going on all the time in fact this weekend ashley's going to be at the los angeles uh comic uh convention on a couple of panels real quick tell people about those panels ashley and then i'll get back into the where i was going with this yeah, so all of our panels are on Sunday. Two of them are right after each other in the same room because LA Comic Con is very organized. You can find all the info pinned to uh, my socials, but we are doing a geek history lesson live. We're debating uh, Flash versus Arrow, and we're going to decide which is better. Spoiler alert, they're both better. Everyone on the panel likes both the shows. <laughs> uh, we're also doing how to write science fiction, fiction based in real science, where we'll be talking a lot about our sophomore graphic novel that you can order on Amazon or in previews right now. Please buy it. Nice. And uh, then last Lastly, we're teaming up with Charlie Stickney of White Ash fame to discuss how to run a successful comics Kickstarter. So they're literally all within four hours of each other. It's Sunday. Please, dear God, come see the panels. <laughs> OK, so, Matthew, at one time back in, in the olden days, you know, back yep. when we were kids, you had like you six channels. You. you had you had two channels on uh, six channels on TV, ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and maybe two independents. And that was it. And then and then in the 80s or late 70s, early 80s, cable came along and opened up a whole new world of programming that 
the broadcast networks didn't really understand. They didn't know how to cope. They were like, but we're serving up everything to everyone. And then you had, uh, you know, the food network saying, yes, but we're only focusing on food or we're only focusing on home improvement or we're only focusing on aliens. Right. And so we devolved, you know, the television and cable market devolved into niche broadcasting. And that's essentially what podcasting has become. Podcasting is super niche content. I mean, we are talking about pop culture. Uh, Other people are doing true true crime stuff. Uh, And I think that's what's happened with the comic conventions, because there are comic conventions taking place all over the country every single weekend of the year. But you're right. We have C2E2, New York Comic Con, uh, Emerald City Comic Con, San Diego Comic Con. WonderCon. WonderCon. And that's probably your big five, right? But so many other places are like, hey, we could have a Salina Con. We could have a, um, what is it called, a Smallville Con that they have in Hutchison every year. Uh, and oh, yeah. that is something that is growing because it's like, oh, we can we can create a micro uh, experience for people that aren't willing to, uh, you know, throw out the cost for these things. And, yeah, they can get local creators, especially in the Kansas City area. Planet Comic Con is coming up. Oh, by the way, Michael, uh, no, not Michael Palin, uh, uh, John Cleese is going to be at Planet Comic-Con this year. Cool. Um, But, you know, you can get a a small convention like Planet Comic-Con suddenly becomes a nice regional convention that everyone in the region can come to, and they've got creators from the region that are going to show up, and they can get some minor celebrities. I'm not saying that John Cleese isn't a minor celebrity, but they can get some minor celebrities to show up. (laughs) <laughs> um so Despite they can me, John Cleese stands. <laughs> <laughs> they can they can make they can give you that experience that isn't they can give you the um champagne wishes and caviar dreams at uh, beer beer prices beer and pretzel prices. Honestly right? those cons are the better ones. Yeah, I would take uh, I love Planet Comic Con specifically I think it's a great con please invite yeah. me back. Um but I think a mid a small to mid-sized con is far superior to uh New York or San Diego. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that you know I think San Diego and New York have kind of caught themselves unawares. Uh, you know they thought that they were too big and why would you not want to come to our convention? And suddenly when people don't show up or when, you know, there's not big media events or big things that will attract the fans, suddenly they're like, what happened? And I I don't know. I don't know if, uh, you know, so I guess the answer is it's a rebuilding year. Let's see how they they do next year. I guess. Right. I mean, uh, oh, Ashley had mentioned um, the Star Trek Picard stuff, Matthew. Mm -hmm. You're you're down for some Picard action. Are you going to jump finally aboard on the CW seed? No. Oh no, it's not seed. It's, uh, like it's CBS. CBS it's CBS All Access. I'm sorry. There's so many of these I'm little not streaming buy the things CW right now. Seed? What are you crazy? I think it's yeah. The, please the Picard pay for the CW. Please pay for CBS All Access. It keeps my husband employed. Please pay yes. for that streaming service. <laughs> yes. They, that trailer, the last trailer that I saw, which may not be the last trailer that released, uh, may have two. convinced me to get. Well, it's the one that has. Uh, Data painting and yeah, seven of nine one, yeah. being all wrangle, and it ends with Will telling him that he can't. He knows he can't talk him out of this. And there's some weird undertone of maybe borginess. Oh, I so, hope Wesley's in this. Well, this is the thing. I've seen lots of people talking about what could happen and what may happen, and I'm like, yeah, well, I'll believe it when I see it. But seeing, you know, an 80 year old Picard hugging a 60 year old Riker. I'm like, okay, you got me. Um, 1987, I'm in. 
This is entirely the thing, and I may have to get the CBS All Access to see this show, which will also allow me to see the new Key and Peele Twilight Zone, which I think is kind of oh, is that only on uh, on the Access? Is that it? Actually, it's not Key and Peele; it's just Peele. Yeah, it's I believe Jordan it's CBS Peele. All Access. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. I've been wondering why I haven't been able to find that anywhere. Uh, so yes, I guess I'm going to have to get the CBS All Access. And now, you know, the nice thing about CBS All Access, and hopefully. The same thing with the Disney Plus is that they need to start offering enough things to make me want to keep a uh, stick around uh, because we've got uh, Picard. Then we've got the next season of uh, Discovery, right, coming up really pretty soon. And then Lower Decks. Then you're going to. Yeah, you're you got Lower Decks, which is the animated series, right? Yes, uh, show run by Mike McMahon, who was the uh, who was a writer on Rick and Morty. He was their uh, writer's assistant in the first season. And then you got Twilight Zone, and you got all these other original programming. So like now the wheels are finally turning. They finally caught some traction for CBS All Access to where now it may make sense for people to have a nonstop continuous subscription to to the service. Whereas as I think when Star Trek Discovery came out, people are like, I'm only signing up for Discovery, and right after Discovery was done. People fled the system until the next season came out, and then they came back. Well, but now they it have was something also, that's coming out I will all say, the time. It was also perhaps the all-time worst streaming service when it launched, and then DC Universe launched. Um, <laughs> since then, it's been, particularly with Discovery Season 2, it's it's been uh, wildly improved. But it was, uh, they were two, two um, network-specific streaming services that launched prematurely from an infrastructure point of view. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully Disney Plus doesn't uh, do that same thing because we well, all know Mandalorian. Well, they have more money than God. So. I know, but it, it's the original content that people are going to want to get on. Yes, that's the only place where we're going to be able to get Simpsons and, and Captain America and all that other stuff. She but, a Disney princess now, Miss Lisa yeah, is. But I want me some original content because I don't want to sit down and watch you know 12 episodes of Mandalorian or however many episodes there's going to be. And those run out in like three weeks, providing that they don't go the stupid once a week release. That's what um, they're doing. They've already uh, announced it. Well, then they better have something at the end of week 12 that's going to keep me around because uh, I, I don't want to play that game uh, where you've got nothing on the service for me to watch. Um, the week by week release, I think, is superior for me, at least. Well, and I can understand that for some people. My argument is, and I've talked about this before, my argument is that I don't. Number one, I don't have a regular set schedule for when I watch content. So we talked about this. Was it last week on the show about 11, uh, 22, 63, where? No, I think that was actually on. Uh, VIP? Uh, I was well, not involved well, with that conversation. It was the, the live feed of Dueling Review. Was that before oh, oh, yeah, or yeah, yeah. after all of those accusations against the star of that miniseries? Came no, no, no. I, I mean, regard, no, it was, no, it was before. No, this was, uh, for those of you that are not aware, we've got a Discord server. Get over there. Uh, and if you're a patron on Thursday nights, 8 o'clock p.m., Matthew and I stream Dueling Review live yep. to the Discord server. And, and there is some content that I believe only goes to the Discord yeah, yeah, there's like because it's not part of the show. Yeah, there's only like 10, there's like 10 or 15 minutes of other stuff. And sometimes I'll post that up on uh, Patreon. Um, but uh, yeah, we did have that conversation that for me, where were we going with this? Oh, I, I, I can't always sit release. down. Yeah, I can't always sit down Wednesday, you know, whenever the new episode comes out. Or I can't sit down every Tuesday when the new Flash episode comes out. By the way, new Flash episode now out. Um, because that's just not how my schedule works. So for me, I'd like to watch a block of programming, preferably if I can get an entire show in, in one weekend, if I can, 
uh, or at least let me decide when I want to watch it as opposed to no, Stephen, new show comes out on Wednesday. If you want to watch it, you need to you want to watch the new episode. You have to be there on Wednesday when it releases or else you're going to miss out on everything in the water cooler uh, talk the next day when people go in to talk about that. And uh, that's my you know that's that the my old big... shows don't disappear when the new one comes. No, out, no, no. Right? I know that. I know that. But, you know, yeah, if, if they're coming the, out on a weekly water... basis and the water yeah, the cooler wa- talk is going to be about, oh, did you watch the new Game of Thrones? I, you know, I'd rather, you know, I don't like that part. Yeah, the, the water cooler argument is interesting because it actually applies both ways, right? Yeah, it applies yeah, yeah. If, if because you get to the water cooler and, you know, Jake has already watched the entirety mm-hmm. of that show. And if you didn't get a chance to watch the entirety of the show, you get into this like, what, what episode are you on? Mm-hmm. Uh, episode, I guess, three. Oh, is that the one where the spiders are revealed to have been uh, sentient no, that's all along? Five. I was like, no, 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 I haven't gotten to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree with you on that. But I would prefer that the service gives the viewer a choice. That if I want to sit down and watch one episode a week, I have that option to sit down and watch one episode a week. Or if I want to watch all 20 episodes over the course of two days, then that should be my prerogative. But I'm already giving you the money, and yet you're not giving me what I want. And I'm concerned now with Disney Plus. No, I'm concerned now with the Disney content because depending on the package, I haven't looked at it, but I've already got Hulu without ads. And that's one of the packages. How do, how does that affect when I've already got Hulu and ESPN services? How is that going to affect? Just wait six weeks and binge it all then. No, no, no. I'm talking about um, packaging prices on everything. Oh, uh, on that. So I'm not, I'm not super thrilled about that, but um, I don't know. Maybe I will get on CBS all access going back to New York comic-con. The thing that you and I actually thought was going to be announced, but wasn't the surprise Mm -hmm. non-announcement was the shuttering of DC. uh, What is it called? DC online. Uh, DC universe. Yeah. DC universe, whatever it is, because you know, there's, there's still that game. There's still that game, DC universe online. So yeah, they announced this weird thing where, they're they're making it the press release makes it seem like an initiative where they're going to give creators shows but they're doing a contest oh yeah that's really for a long time has had um, a fans channel right Mm -hmm. um i've done content for it in the past It, it you work for free you are unpaid sometimes they will give you uh gifts sometimes they will send you um things to talk about in your video but it's it's free unpaid content um and that's exactly what they're doing with this new contest. Like, if you win, you get to develop a pilot that no one is paying for. Like, that the, the creator is not paid for their time. I just think it's really that's weird. That's really janky. And, 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 yeah, and uh, look, sometimes it is worth doing things to meet people. Sometimes it is worth things to do things for exposure dollars. But, like... It just seems really weird. And to me, they announced this initiative, I believe, on either the Wednesday or the Thursday of New York Comic Con. I was like, oh, this Mm -hmm. is the last, this is the dying breath of DC uh, Universe because they still have people who've paid that that year long subscription. And so they're going to, they're not going to want to refund that. Um, And I think, I guess we're going to have this non announcement continue until HBO Max is ready. Yeah. to launch yeah. probably I, mean, I we're still getting by WonderCon, but we'll see we're still getting new seasons of uh titans uh i don't know yeah. about doom patrol if that's been gotten another it season is green or not. lit but i yeah, don't so... i don't know if it's shot or not yeah so i don't know it, it was a it was a surprise non-announcement because yeah. both of us thought that this was the point where they were going to say well when hbo max launches uh this is shutting down in fact we're going to be shutting it down in 12 weeks i, I would 
know what happened. Like, where's the Stargirl show that's apparently been wrapped for months now? Oh, that, I don't we've know. Just but that kind was a, of heard. We've seen the costume. We've seen about. the actress. The, the actress and the yeah, costume have both appeared online. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, we, we haven't we seen anything. That, we saw that sizzle roll, but like we haven't seen the trailer. We haven't seen a poster. We haven't seen a promo. Like we had seen a lot HBO of Max. pictures of Titans before they announced it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm really curious about that show because you know that was kind of a show like arrow where there was so little baggage that you were like oh there mm-hmm. could be some there's like some interesting potential with what this could be and mm-hmm. it's been that show's been announced for years at this point and we've heard nothing i thought they had a 2020 release date for that maybe That's they do the last i don't thing know that i remember sometime in 2020 like a hundred less than a hundred days away so yeah don't depress me <laughs> stop it so I pulled up. You know, I pulled a Matthew. I pulled a Matthew. Oh, don't even. Don't yeah, no, even. seriously, I did. I I don't. finally I finally sat down and watched Midsummer. Hey, me too. I watched it last weekend. Oh, did you? What's I watched it this past yeah. weekend too. I I came back on. What was it? Sunday night or no? It's just like Latin. No, what's today? Today's Tuesday. I watched it Sunday night. We came back early from the soccer game because you know we won. And I was yeah. sitting down here. I was like, I'm kind of caught up from Monday. Um, I've got two hours. I'll sit down and watch Midsummer. And jokes on you, it's two and a half hours long. <laughs> I know, right? Because at, at some point I was like, this is getting kind of long. It's past midnight now. Um, I didn't eat any nacho cheese, though, Matthew. That's oh, probably for the best. Okay, so I am deeply disturbed by Midsummer. It is really creepy, Ashley. Mm-hmm. In that, in, in so many ways. Number one, they are literally telling you from every piece of art in that in that movie what is about to happen next. To where if you're really the, paying attention to the art, the, the whole bear at stuff. The beginning tells you the plot of the entire movie. Uh, which one? The one that's the so, uh, cut off before, your pubes and make him eat it one or the no, one no, no, at no, the no. beginning? So before the movie even begins. Yes, 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 yes. That it big pans tableau. pans over a yes. canvas. Like the bear is on it and mm-hmm, everything. Mm-hmm. By the way, search Midsummer Gifts for some real creepy cute gifts of uh, that bear imagery. Oh, yeah. No. Um, what's even more interesting is if you pay attention to the artwork that's on in her, what's her name? Danny? Uh, no, I forget what uh-huh. her name is. Uh, in her New apartment. Black Widow. Yes. Uh, where she's yeah. crying. Oh, yeah, yeah. And behind Nothing. her is the girl leaning her head on the bear's head. And it's like, oh, my God, this means something. And then, of course, that that plays out. And Everything I, in that movie is very deliberate. I think I found that movie to be very cool. I liked it very much. But I find it cool in the way that I find French French movies cool. Like, yeah. what are the French movies from the seventies called? Oh, you know the the French New Wave, the stuff from yeah, the French New Wave, yeah. and sixties. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, I I liked it, but as a movie and as a story, I don't know if it's good or if it works. And then I sort of did some supplemental reading that made me come around on it a little bit. Like, it's much more style than substance. And if that's like pagan horror is my yeah. jam, so like no no, no yeah. So the original Wicker Man. I have, and I think it's awesome. <laughs> right? Have, it's the best. Yeah, so I need to, yeah, I've watched Wicker Man. I need to watch, uh, what is it, Vich, Witch? I need to watch oh, that. The Witch is so good. Um, so good. So here's here's my take. You, I, I know it is all style because it's all, you know, I was talking about this today in a, in a lighting class about how it is so lit, so low contrast where everything is washed out. Everything is super bright. Everything is disorienting. And then, there's of course, then the LSD stuff kicks in. At night, but the yeah, which was just odd. Open. So yeah. much that only if you look at the background, you can tell they're shooting at night. Right. Um, but it's just, it's so disorienting, which is what this experience is. And so my take on this was, not only is it, 
it's a weird movie about cults, right? Um, yeah. But it really shows an indoctrination process of a cult, right? Where here is this girl who has lost literally everything in her life. Yeah. Um, and then she is invited to go on to this uh, this uh, vacation to Sweden, which, you know, I've got a, a friend from high school who's from Sweden, but I'm sorry that I'm not going to come visit your country now because of this movie. Um, but <sighs> the whole indoctrination process of how they lure her in while at the same time separating her connection to the to the quote-unquote real world is uh-huh. just fascinating because, and I don't mean this to be mean for people who listen to this, but on a college campus, I have seen the loners being recruited, recruited by religious organizations because mm-hmm. of, That's why oh, they you're target a loner, come to that, our group, come to our person, thing. Yeah. And, and it's just, it was fascinating to see that play out in the movie from my perspective. It was also fascinating to see how they create a new family for her after she's lost her family. And then the weird bit at the end, the really weird bit at the end, the, the very final shot where she's looking at everything, yeah. where suddenly it becomes, oh, this is a crazy revenge film. Also okay, in that so as well. It's my favorite breakup movie. Um, Ari yes. Aster, the director, writer-director, auteur, um, who also did Hereditary, um, had a statement where he said that for all the boys, they're in a pagan horror movie from the beginning, and that's how it ends for them. Whereas for Danny, she starts out in a family tragedy, and then mm-hmm. for her, it becomes a wish fulfillment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Movie, and and that kind of cleared up the ending shot in her arc for me in a way that just watching the movie didn't, which I, I thought was sort of an interesting statement. Yeah, no. Wait, you it, said it, this is this is an Ari Aster film. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh God! Now I have to watch it with the kid. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, he, uh, mm, but, but he's interesting. Is... So I, I watched, I watched um, Hereditary only a couple of weeks ago, and like that man hates his family the way that Neil Butte hates women. It's very <laughs> weird. I just found the whole the cult creating the new family aspect for her, you know, because she literally this film starts for her in the dark, right? Where yes. it is, it is nighttime. It's dark. It ends with her in the bright sunshine, full of color. And so it really is, it really is amazing from that standpoint. If, and again, I know a lot of people are saying it's all flash and no substance because I saw some of those. I didn't go into the in depth uh, dialogue that you did because I'm still kind of processing this. But I do know that I had weird church dreams after watching that movie. Yeah. (laughs) And it's just, it was freaky. Uh, So if you get a chance, Midsummer is, I don't know if it's a must see. I don't know if it, if, you know, I think if this is the most wonderful time of the year for you to watch it. Oh, no, definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, I think maybe if you're a fan of The Wicker Man, I think this is probably something to worth check out. But I don't think that this I is... I love the Edward Woodward... Man, I'm drunk. I love the Edward Woodward version of The Wicker Man from yeah, 73. I don't, I don't know if this is any kind of an award ceremony contender. I think it is what it is. No, um, it will, it'll win like horror awards and things like oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was deeply, it was deeply disturbing, and it's deeply troubling. I mean, for me personally, I was like, oh my god, this is no, get away. This is what's happening. The, the moment that they walked through the circle into the compound, yeah. I was like, oh no, you guys know what you're getting into now. You need to turn around and run. Yeah, the kid so, has been on this kick where she wants to see the scariest movies ever. 
I, so hmm. we had watched Hereditary one night, uh-huh. and she was fascinated by it. The last thing we watched on this, by the way, was uh, Darren Aronofsky's Mother. Yeah. And oh, which isn't really whole... horror, is it? Sorry. Uh, it's It's got horror aspects to it. It's really more of a kind of an allegorical, vaguely yeah. religious uh, have you, text. Have but... you watched, so is she into, so like what kind of horror is she into? Because this is like thriller kind of stuff. There are some very she gross, disturbing, see... horrific moments. She wants to see The Shining. She wants to see Silence of the Lambs. Anything that says it's scary, she wants to see. She Have was you guys totally watched... into seeing Hereditary. I think she'd like both of them I if she likes. Yeah, she probably that kind would. Of um, and she'd like you... The Witch. Yeah. Um, have you seen, seen the Bone Vivid, Tomahawk? Have, have you seen Bone Tomahawk, Matthew? I don't remember. Was that a Zach on film movie? Well, I know Zach and I reviewed it. I don't know if anybody else said on that. Rodrigo, did you sit in on Bone Tomahawk? I don't think so. Okay. It is I, a I Western. It. It's a, let's just put it this way. It's a cannibal Western. And there are some moments where things get pretty graphic in how they prepare their meals. And uh, there is a, there is a ceremony that is performed in Midsummer that is super disturbing and super graphic. Mm-hmm. And I was not prepared for how graphic that scene got. I and covered then, my eyes. No, I mean, I, I couldn't. I was just eyes wide open going, oh, my God, what am I watching? And then they flashbacks to it later, so it did no good. Yes. And then I was uh, just you, like. If you want to do some Googling for a really interesting read, read um, any of the interviews with the guy who played her crappy boyfriend. Okay. Um, he had some really interesting things to say about what happens to him in the last half of the movie. Like, like genuinely, like interesting and like very thoughtful things. Oh, well, I'm, I'm interested in that because that was that was another one. It's like after you see the tableau and then you start to see the bare imagery and then you start to see the whole thing about the, the seduction ceremony. Yeah. Uh, all in the art. You basically knew when he's sitting in that one woman's house exactly what was coming up next just from paying attention to the art. And so yeah. I was not I was not super shocked by that. I was more shocked what happened to the rest of the the party. Yeah. Uh, some of those things oh, became also, very Chidi graphic. from the good places in this yes. movie. Yes. He's the black guy in this movie. Yes. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's so, it's disturbing. That's all I can say is it's disturbing, but I enjoyed it. Just, but it's weird. It'll, it'll mess up your mind a little bit is, is what I'm going to say on that. It's, it's really kind uh, of a cluster mess up in there in your head. It's not something that I a... could show my kids at this point. That's the aesthetic that she's into, though, because, I mean, when we watched Mother, we actually spent the rest of the weekend analyzing it and going back and forth and sharing our theories about what, you know, the creator was trying to say. And we did the same thing. Hereditary stuck with me longer than it stuck with her. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, but, I kind of, yeah, yeah and, and I go back again that, you know, if this is art, uh, right. then it should be controversial. It should get people talking. It yes. should make you think. It should make you reflect. It should make you, art can make you angry. Art can make you happy. Um, and, and, I, and, you know, if you really enjoy something, then that's good. Um, but I don't think that as a collective whole, you can say that this is bad, that Midsummer is bad, and I, because I don't think it's bad. And I think there are other movies out there right now that are pretty decisive. That it's, at least have people talking. It's definitely flawed. Like it's not perfect, but no. I would I would rather see something like this. Uh, um, I would rather see something like Hereditary. I would rather see something that takes a big swing and maybe doesn't get all the way there mm-hmm. than 
no offense to anyone who loves these movies than like another live action Transformers movie. And and that's right. that's just my prep or even an MCU movie, because because these types of movies are more challenging and they're more right. interesting. And that's why, you know, challenging their thought provoking, blah, 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 which is not to say, like, look, I'm going to go see. I see lots of big, dumb movies. I love Pacific Rim. Um, but these are the types of things that are they feel more impactful, which is why people argue about them. <laughs> Yeah, no, and, and this goes back to, to, to basically Joker, right, where um, there's a big group of people that say this movie should never have been released, and then there's another group of people that are just like, no, this is a really good movie, and this is this is solid. Did you go see it, Ashley? Did, did I see that you guys went to go see that? Uh, I am electing not to see that movie. Okay, okay, that's fine. Um, but, you know, it's, it's something that, uh, you know... <clears throat> has people talking at least it has people talking about merits of mm-hmm. of the film whether it's yeah. good or bad or whether it's done in a in a certain style or, or I don't whatever have an issue with with anyone who wants to see it by yeah, the way yeah, i'm yeah, just yeah. choosing not to go see it that's no no all. and that's totally fine i'm not going to be able to go see it when it's in the theater because uh too busy kids uh kids got apparently now he just made it to uh to the league cross country this weekend so i'm another weekend out of town so i'm uh, not going to be able to see this movie in the theaters but, you know, the discussion that I was having is this is why we can call some movies cinema and some movies just a, a flick or a movie. You know, there's there's different levels of contemplation and thought that can be put into it. So Midsummer really makes you think, really makes you go question a lot of things. Or uh, you know, the other one that uh, you gave a good example of um, maybe is just a nice popcorn flick that you go to just to be entertained. But sometimes you want to be challenged. And I think art should be challenging. I think art should make you ask questions. And yeah. I, I don't think that art is inherently bad. You can have bad art. You know, I was talking to me earlier about my bad drawing. Um, sure. But And you can have something that you don't like. But, you know, I, I think that art should have some something that provokes Right, and provocation can in itself be a problem. There are things that right. are too provoking. My response yes. to the first issue of Crossed yeah. was vehement, and that was a book designed specifically to provoke, whereas my response to this weekend watching Spider-Man Far From Home for the first time was uh, a hey, twofold I've seen sort European of, Vacation. Right. Well, no, it's not European Vacation. Shut up. It is. But, it's not. There are no pig costumes. But more importantly, that movie left me with two responses, and they were mixed. And one of them was, this would have been so much more palatable, interesting, uh, accessible to me if it hadn't have been the highly recognizable character of Mysterio. So I felt like it was a movie that was specifically aimed at audiences who have a very casual knowledge of Spider-Man lore to where you don't immediately see costume accurate, comic book accurate Mysterio come out and think Steve Ditko villain 1963, bang. And secondly, that ending was bullcrap. Uh, oh, yeah. All three of the vacation. No, all three of the Stop saying that. It Stop totally saying is. European. No, it totally European is. Vacation is a joy. European Vacation is a wonderful <laughs> is it, movie. Is it really? It is. It, it is. is a, yes, Stephen. it is a. It, it is, is a, a sad, wonderful movie. It is a sad sequel to the original. It's not Incorrect. saying that it's. I'm not saying that you it's are bad. Thinking of Christmas Vacation. Which no, no, is no. A sad sequel. No, and that's why I think that the third Spider-Man movie will be called Home for the Holidays. I will fight you. I, if it's called Home for the Holidays, then they're following the 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 vacation line of films. 
Um, Aside from the fact that they went to Europe and toured different cities, and there are had no different costumes, had different had different costumes thematic. in every had different costumes in every single uh, 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 country that they yeah. went in. Number one, number two, uh, the the character that you thought was the character who was actually somebody completely different. Same thing in both movies. Who are you thinking about in Vacation? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Or no, uh, in uh, um, <laughs> see now, uh, in Samuel L. Jackson uh, Far From Home. Yeah, no, no, uh, the uh, the um, Monty Python character, Eric Idle. Yeah, Eric Idle's character, and and who was and he? Samuel and Samuel L. Jackson's character in this movie. No. Yep. Nope. Nip. I've already had people nope. who have. I've I just had somebody who was it? I don't remember. It was on Discord or Twitter. Somebody's like, "Oh my god, I finally watched." Uh, far from home, and you're right, Stephen. This is European vacation. No, I let you have Cars too because Cars two is astute. It is a man called Car- Flintstone. It is a man this called one Flintstone. You're stretching. You are stretching too not far. By, not my, not by much though. You are not stretching. Nope, not by you much. You are stretching. Hey, listen, we are out of time. Uh, we'll just uh, call this one a Stephen win, and we'll end the show right there. We will do um, no such I, thing. I will say this: I am super grateful that uh, we have such great people like Ashley and Matthew and Rodrigo on this show every single week. And uh, I really appreciate that you guys are here and taking the time so that we can talk about uh, stuff that's on our minds and uh, that we can share that with our listeners. So thank you guys for everything that you do uh, for major spoilers. And listeners, if you have, uh, if you got some joy or entertainment out of this show, I would encourage you to head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and uh, think about kicking in a little little money because that money goes right back to to these fine people that are on this show and all of the major spoiler shows and the writers and everything else that goes on at major spoilers week after week and month after month. So thank you so much uh, for your attention. This was uh, one of those times where we deviate from our normal um, our normal plans and we do something a little bit different. And hopefully you enjoyed that. If you enjoy this kind of talk, we do kind of do like a thirty minute pre show, uh, fifteen to thirty minutes. Uh, that's kind of the same format. So you can always go check that out. Next week, we are going to be back. Oh, we're back into the world of DC Comics next week as we talk Robin Reborn Volume 1. It's right here on the Major Spoilers podcast. We're going to be back next week because we know that you love comic books, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. Stop talking about comic books or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the man of This podcast is copyright 2019 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 